to episode six of Screaming on the Inside and season's greetings to all our listeners. I'm your host Lee and today I'm joined by our newest member of the UCAT team, alumni coordinator Celeste. Hi everyone, I'm Celeste. I'm very grateful to be here. I've wanted to do a podcast forever so this is an exciting day for me. By way of background, I've recently joined the alumni team and I'm in recovery from alcohol and drug addiction myself. I subscribe to the 12-step program and have found my place in AA. I also use meditation and prayer, as well as practicing radical self-compassion, which is something we don't do enough of. Maybe more on this later. Thanks, Celeste. So let's get started with our first of today's topics, breaking down long-term recovery. Right, well, we know better than anyone that recovery from any substance misuse disorder requires effort, time, willpower, and most definitely support. I personally find approaching my recovery one day at a time makes the idea of long-term sobriety much less overwhelming. A day is much less challenging than, say, a year, a month, or even a week. Simply getting your head on the, on the pillow sober every day is a huge achievement, especially in early recovery. And these days, they, they soon start to add up. As listeners know, I'm, I'm well into my recovery, and the time of recording this is the 9th of December. Um, tomorrow I celebrate seven years of continued sobriety. Well um, done, Lee. Seven years. Now, <laughs> <laughs> I would say that's long-term recovery. For me, that is an absolute miracle. I um, I can honestly say before coming to recovery, I didn't have a clean or sober day outside of detox or rehab or hospital units in 21 years or more. <laughs> and when I came into recovery, I really didn't believe it was possible to get clean, let alone stay clean. And any time I've had previous where I have been drug and alcohol free as I am today have been absolutely painful and I thought my life would be dull, boring and just getting through every day without um, without using it is so far from the truth. I mean Celeste and I are at different times in our recovery and today it means so much more to me. Now Celeste has already touched on a day at a time and I will always say to everybody I can't stay clean and sober next week today. I can only stay clean today and it's a daily program. The world record for anyone to stay clean is 24 hours. Now, and I used to hear that in the meetings and like, you know, I really didn't understand it. You know, I'd look at people 10, 20, 30 years and believe that, you know, it was possible to get to that, but it's only a daily program and I stay clean today. And I'd like to talk really about what it means to me now. You know, I've had, this is gonna be my eighth Christmas in recovery. And in my early days, it was, it was a very trying time. Now you, you know, people listening to this and Celeste will know as well about at Christmas. Everybody drinks, you know, and it's mm-hmm. uh, even people like you know my family that don't really drink drink a lot of Christmas. So um, it was very very challenging for me in my early recovery in terms of I'd make sure I had very you know a lot of structure in place. I'd have meetings to go to, our friends to talk to, I'd keep myself safe. Now things I learned in my early days were things like. No is a sentence and it's final, it doesn't have to be justified. Lee, do you want a drink? No, simple as that. If anyone pushes it, I tell them I'm a recovering alcoholic, that's it. It's very, very important for me to set firm boundaries. It is different now in respect as I am more comfortable around alcohol and I have a whole day planned with my family where there's gonna be alcohol involved, but I'm just gonna have to keep myself safe. In terms of what recovery's given me, you know, um, for seven years now, I've been able to, well, I've been reliable, accountable, and responsible. I've been able to build relationships with my family. I have my children back in my life. I've even got married in recovery. 
Um, I'm a brother and a father today, and I'm a husband as well, and um, it means so much more to me than what I thought it would, because I thought it was just stopping using and I'd have my own life, my old life, but in reality, what long-term recovery has given me is a life. It's given me a life that I can be proud of. It's given me family, loved ones, friends, and everything that I never thought possible. And it's all to do it a day at a time, staying clean and sober and working on myself. And um, I'm very, very grateful. Um, and over to Celeste. Wow. Thanks, Lee. Honestly, you're, you're such an inspiration to me since meeting you here on the team. To, to meet someone who I can just bounce off and share my recovery with, knowing that you're going to completely understand, you know, these things that we sort of navigate on a daily basis as people in recovery. Um, and it is, it's just always so, so powerful for, for me to meet other people in recovery and to work with people in recovery. And, and that's where I sort of come onto my story a little bit, which is, you know, I'm very much in the earlier days of my recovery um i have five months well i am done. very thank Amazing. you five months now six months ago you wouldn't recognize me i was not who i am and this is such we're not talking 10 years we're not talking 20 years we're talking five months and the changes that can happen in that time if you want sobriety if you want to work your program if you take it a day at a time and do all these things that are you know so lovingly suggested to us and you know I have gone from someone who could not look at themselves in the mirror I was dishonest with myself I was dishonest with everybody that I loved I was falling apart and it just got to a day you know five months ago where I just couldn't do it anymore and everything has changed from that point yeah. everything there is not one part of my life that has not been touched positively by and I'm not even going to say it was a decision now I don't you know we all have different beliefs we all have different ways in for me I had a, a it, it was very much a spiritual awakening. It was a it was a realization that if I don't do something about it, I'm not going to be around to tell my story for much longer. And I have surrendered in my recovery, and that surrender and that that serenity that I now have in my life, accepting life on life's terms every day and being grateful for my day. And here I am, recording my first podcast. Here it's you a are. dream. It's yes. an and you know what look I'm not here to be smug that is not it I'm very humble I this recovery I don't know it's uh, it's a difficult thing to put into words sometimes it's uh, it's bigger than me it really is and as long as I do the right thing and I you know take each day as it comes I know I'm gonna be okay and it's a privilege to be working with people and helping them in their recovery that that is I get up every morning and I am humbled and grateful to be able to work with all of you. 
Thank you. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And for the guys who are listening to this on alumni, you will now get to speak to Celeste. <laughs> absolutely fantastic. That level of enthusiasm and passion for recovery, it just blows me away. Yeah. It ignites the fire in me as well. It really, really I, does. I just drink a lot of coffee, Lee, basically. Always yeah. got a cup on the go. Welcome to, <laughs> welcome to recovery. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I know you're... Uh, fair way in now um but is there anything about your early recovery that that comes to mind that you'd like to share um yeah i suppose <laughs> early recovery wow that was a roller coaster so a time um, ago <laughs> so i think when coming out of treatment i said so for me and i think for a lot of other people is people who come into treatment with us and some of them may have been using their whole adult lives, you know, and they're coming in, they don't have a clue who they are or anything. And it was like me when I left treatment, I was almost like a blank slate. Mm. And um, so for me, yes, it was frightening. Um, but the benefit of that was is I didn't have an identity in terms of who I was, I didn't know what I liked. So for early recovery for me was about discovery, first of all. Now even down to like what type of music I liked, it was mad. Right. Um, what foods I liked and things now. It is very important for people who have been into treatment with us, um, new guys and alumni, um, people just starting their recovery journeys to realise that um, addiction doesn't go away in terms of, you know, I'm never cured of addiction, I know that, that's why I still do a lot outside of work in terms of I do my meetings, my programme and everything, mm-hmm. and, um, I have to do a lot to keep in front of my addiction. In early recovery I learned them things that it has to come first. I think it was one of the biggest things for me in the early days was realising that if I put recovery first, nothing else will suffer. Now, you know, coming out of treatment, my head was absolutely mad. I would have 500 thoughts a second. Um, none of them were very good. I would sit in meetings and, um, do you know what I discovered also? That I'm a mind reader, Celeste. Oh, really? And no oh, you too. Anything good about me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but it was really a case of just putting one foot in front of the other, I think, and um, realizing like, that my feelings aren't gonna kill me, that um, it's okay to feel things, it's okay to feel sad, it's okay to feel happy, um, you know, them things aren't gonna kill me, embracing them and getting used to feelings. And I think forgiveness as well in early recovery was a really big thing for me, because throughout my addiction, and I don't obviously disclose a lot on here, mm. but I caused a lot of damage to my family, to myself, my physical well-being, my finances, my family, you know, everyone connected with me unfortunately suffered. And going through, for me, the amends process and um, forgiving myself was a big thing. In terms of being able to stay here, you know, stay clean, the only way someone like me is gonna stay clean is if I'm comfortable with who I am. And the only way I'm gonna be comfortable with who I am is to have made peace with my past and forgiving myself for the damage that I caused. Mm. And um, as a result of that, I've been able to be here. And you know, you guys that are new, I will say, keep doing what you need to do, because it does get better. I don't believe so much in that pink fluffy cloud. I feel better now seven years than I did in my first two years. And my experiences of it is, the longer I go, the more work I do myself, the better it gets, so hang in there. So, you've asked me about my early recovery. Mm. How is your recovery? <laughs> well, how long have you got? Um, you know, I it's so funny, I'm gonna say this because I always think about this in when I'm in meetings. 
you can have two people that sit in a room and you would never think in a million years that they would have so much in common. You know, you know, I'm, I'm a yeah. fairly young, in fact, my first meeting, I got told that I didn't look like I needed to be there. And I'm like, you have no idea what is going on inside of me right now. Like, I might look young and fairly well presented, but trust me, I need to be here. Um, so it's almost like I had to battle in my early days um, of, of, of feeling like I deserved to be there, yeah. like I'd earned my seat. And it didn't take me very long to realise that I very much had earned my seat. Um, look, I, I feel like I've been fairly lucky, or maybe the word's desperate, because when I came in the rooms, I was desperate. Um, I was on my knees, and I would have done anything that anyone suggested. I had no options. Yeah. Yeah. I, I or out of options, you know. And and that was probably that day when I realized what I needed to do was it was simultaneously the worst and best day of my life. Um, and I'm so glad that I did what my higher power now uh, not to put people off with the, the HP thing, but I uh, I really believe that, that that's what got me in the rooms and has kept me there. I have have had a very similar journey to you. I, I think there's a lot in common there. I, I have spent my whole life doing other people's thinking for them, yes, right? I know that one. My fellow mind reader here. Yeah. Um, and I used to drive myself mad with it. And, and now it's just so freeing to, to understand and to know that what other people think of me is none of my business. Yeah. Absolutely none of my business. If somebody doesn't like me, fine. That's a them problem, yeah. not me. You know, as long as I know I'm doing the best I can possibly do and not being, you know, um, I was gonna swear then, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, but, uh, yeah, not not be uh, not being an asshole, yeah. um, you know. Um, then I'm good. Feelings, oh wow, pink clouds. I'm I'm gonna go about feelings and pink clouds. Now the two are sort of on a similar kind of level for me because I very quickly got my emotions back. Yeah. Right. The Didn't, worst thing and the best thing about that's recovery. what they say. You took the words out of my mouth. Good news is get your feelings back. The bad news is you get your feelings yeah. back. And that was a bit of a roller coaster for the first. I want to say I'd probably say about my first six weeks to eight weeks were an absolute roller coaster. <laughs> um, and I, I just rode it out and went to meetings and listened to my fellows got a sponsor did all the things that we're told to do and you know I did what I was told it's that simple I got out of my own way I stopped doing my own thinking because it, it evidently wasn't doing me any good you know my way no. wasn't working right no. and I, I just cannot say that enough you know whatever it is that we've been doing has not been working it's time to let something else have a go you know, and I just gave everything to the program and admitted that, um, you know, I didn't have all the answers. Pink clouds, I don't know, it's, um, I like what you said there, Lee, about, um, you know, you're, you're feeling better further in now the pink clouds have sort of lifted. I, I, I agree, I agree. I had a tricky time, um, so what, I'm five months now, so three months, um, the pink clouds disappeared. The new feeling of it. It, it was, was, it yeah. was, yeah, I wasn't elated mm. anymore with my sobriety. 
Uh, and I feel like I maybe went through that quite quickly. Some people, it's different for everyone, we have to emphasize that. You know, everyone is different. But for me, those pink clouds, that feeling of elation just lifted fairly quickly as I, as I guess my sort of body sort of recalibrated and my, um, my emotions recalibrated. And I was a bit worried for a, a short time there because I was like, well, where's, where's the elation gone? You know, um, I feel a bit flat, but actually, I've just, again, kept on doing the same things day in, day out, and it's actually really balanced out. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel a sense of peace, and, and I just feel settled. You know what I mean? I do, yeah. But that's the purpose of recovery, yeah. to feel like that. But when yeah. you've never had that... No, I know. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to give away my age now. I'm 35. I've been drinking and drugging since I was 14. You're young enough to give away your age. <laughs> I'm not, I'm actually 50, I just look really good. Um, but yeah, like, I've been drinking and drugging most of my life. I literally, even as a child, I wasn't quite right, which is obviously a common yes, theme for it, most of us. We hear it a lot on the Oh, fans. yeah, it yeah. It starts way before the drugs come into It does, it, it, does yeah. it really does. So, you know, like you said, Lee, I don't, knowing who I am, knowing what I like, you know, and, and having confidence in myself as a, as a person, this is all brand new. It's brand new and um, a day at a time. I can't wait to see what my life is like in another five months, five years. Uh, I you promise know. you, a day at a time, it just gets better <laughs> and better. It really does. I'm sure um, you're right. I'm sure you're right. So we've taken um, some time to go through our different experiences and sort of different, um, sort of along the timeline of recovery. Uh, why don't we take it back to sort of the, the very beginning of recovery and sort of reaching out for help? Because that's what we do here. Yeah. What, what would you, uh, what's, you know, you work in, a, in admissions. I um, do. Yeah, so um, tell us a bit more about that. Okay, I mean, for... For people reaching out is the start of everyone's journey. There are there are stages of people's addiction, and we all go through the completely oblivious to it, having a great fun stage. Um, then there tends to be a stage where people are identifying it as a problem. Once you get into that stage, when you realise there actually is a problem that your drug use and all your alcohol use and all your behaviours or whatever it may be that you're acting out on is abnormal and it's causing problems in your life you can never slip back into that blissfully unaware stage now reaching out is the most difficult thing that most people are ever going to do in their lives but I would have to stress you know and I, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart it isn't a weakness I have so many people who reach out to on the phone and they are just broken and they're just like I failed Mm. And I'm going to say, you know, and I always said to people, this isn't a failure, this is the bravest thing you can do is reaching out and actually asking for help. And nobody, and even me now, Celeste, all of the people I know in recovery can do this alone. Mm. We all need help. So in terms of reaching out to UCAT, we are, we are a residential treatment provider. We have eight clinics in the UK. Now I know um, there are many other ways to recover and many other avenues, but for the purpose of this podcast, we're talking about how we can help people. So from the point of contact, we will talk to you, um, explain a little bit of how, how we can actually help. We can provide detox if needed, full rehabilitation, aftercare, family support, and you get to talk to the amazing Celeste and our other alumni team when you, when you successfully complete. I mean, if that, 
isn't um, tempted. I don't know what is. But, Aren't um, you lucky? Yeah. And you might even get me on the phone. And I'm um, annoyingly enthusiastic about recovery. Um, so the initial contact is, you know, a brief outline of what we can do, how we can help, um, deciding if we are a suitable service, if it is suitable to come into a treatment, or is there another um, recovery avenue that you might want to look at. But from the point of initial conversation to actual start of treatment can be as little as 24 hours. Now, residential rehab initially gives people the best foundation. I'm a firm believer in that. I could not do this job unless I really believed that this was people's best avenue um, to actually come into recovery. The initial call will explain about everything that we offer about the detox programs because for some people I don't know about useless mm. but I required a detox to mm. get clean mm. it wasn't the fact you know I couldn't stop mm. using and drinking because I was physically dependent to do that in the community I tried for years yeah. reducing down going back up bouncing backwards and forwards outside in and out of the local services but coming into treatment you get that in one in one treatment program you get the detox you get the rehabilitation and you get that foundation that you need recovery and then we put all of the aftercare in place for you once you um, are going to be leaving treatment is there anything yeah. you would like to add to that um no i think i think it's amazing i mean i i i listened to you guys working on admissions and I, I, the the compassion and the just the um kindness that you show to people who are coming in on you know and contacting us and reaching out at one of the most vulnerable times in their lives yeah. and i you know here at ucat i am always amazed by the just the compassion and the kindness that the team show to our clients and those just calling for for advice you know they may not be in a position to come into treatment but you know, um, all members of the team, you know, are there when people reach out to us, and I just think that's really important. Um, my side, you know, in in alumni, I um, get so much joy from from speaking to people who have successfully come out of their treatment and are now sort of using those those tools and. Um, you know everything everything they've learned in in recovery and, and taking that forward you know with our support um you know to see these people succeed you know and there are people listening to this podcast i hope are in that group you know that you've you know you've done the work and you're now keeping yourself you know um sober you know long term and i just it it makes my day it really i go home feeling so blessed to be able to spend my time talking to you you know our listeners and um, some of the stories I hear and the journeys I hear I am very humbled and uh, I, I just think it's very brave I think reaching out going into treatment facing you know all the things that have got us to this point and, and making a decision to move forward uh, it's so brave um, and uh, yeah so moving on to the second point that I really think is a good for us to cover being that we're coming up to uh, the dreaded Christmas uh, and all of those triggers um, that, that come along with it uh, especially for those um, coming up to their first sober Christmas um, we wanted to look at some of the warning signs of um, potential relapse and about again our own experiences of that so Lee um, I'm going to let you start on this one. Thank you, Celeste. <laughs> it's, it's quite funny because Celeste said to me, have you ever had any problems in your recovery? I'm like, shit, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's been perfect. That was, 
sorry. You sailed through, Lee. Yeah. Not, not a oh blip on the horizon. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I think it is, Celeste mentioned, you know, this time of year is very difficult. I already touched upon it earlier. Everyone's drinking. There's a big expectation to enjoy yourself. And I didn't like Christmas when I was drinking and using. Um... Because I used to ramp it up all of December. I'm drinking and using, and get to Christmas Day. I mean, I I done it every day, but I needed to do it more at Christmas. It was painful, and I I'm now I'm in recovery. I can still struggle around Christmas. Now, I, I think Celeste mentions about being vigilant because the relapse is not just the process of putting a drink or drug in your body. The putting the drink or drug in your body is the very end result of the relapse. And um, that's the final point of it. Now, relapse happens generally for most people way, way before they actually pick up. Now, for myself, in recovery, you notice things about yourself. A part of the 12-step program I subscribe to is actually inventory throughout the day and how am I feeling, looking at how I'm doing, and things I have to watch for. So I've been guilty over the years of the way it will happen for me when I notice I'm on rocky ground is I start, um, I'll be quite angry and agitated. I will start withdrawing from people as well. Now, I cannot stay clean alone. I need my fellows around me. I need, I have you know, a sponsorship line. I need to be talking to my sponsor and my fellows and, and actually having them people around me. And I will notice myself, I'll start withdrawing in. My phone will ring and it will be um, a new guy in the room. So, and I'll, then my first thought will be, do not want to be talking to him. Mm-hmm. Now, I always have that thought when new guys call me up, but I will answer the phone anyway, and yeah. I'll be there to help. Now, if I'm in rocky ground, what happens if the phone rings, I don't answer it. I start withdrawing into myself. I start waking up in the morning and not wanting to go to work, not wanting to engage in life, basically a duvet day, pull my head over, and a duvet over my head. And mm. I've been clean long enough to notice them things and do something about it, and really not buy into that way of thinking. But certainly coming up to Christmas and in my early days, it was it took me all my effort to go against that way of thinking. I think you said that left to your own devices, you know, you're in trouble. And that's even a true, true to this day than it was in my early days because left to my own devices, I don't want to be doing the things I need to do to keep clean. And eventually I will pick up again. Mm. And there's, I've not... I have to say, since going into treatment and coming out, I haven't used a drink or a drug, but that's not to say over the years I haven't wanted to at times, and um, I've really had to dig deep then and reach out and go to meetings and seek the support that I can, um, because it can be difficult in times going against my mind, because the worst thing about my mind is I'm very, very believable. You know, that voice in my head that tells me, don't take that phone call, don't go to that meeting, don't go to work, don't do anything you need to do. That's me, and that's very believable, and I can buy into that stuff if I'm not in a good place You'd in be my very, recovery. So very convincing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Do, do as he says, obviously. Um, so how about you, Celeste, in terms of, you know, and I'll be a buzzing about your first side of Christmas, but how are you going to be looking after yourself and getting through this this time of year? That's a really good question. Yeah, I, I am looking forward to Christmas, but um, I think, I think I'm a, a, a little bit, um, not anxious, but, um, you know, I've not seen my parents since coming into recovery. Wow. And... Uh, it didn't end well last time I saw them. So, like many people, I might feel that I've, you know, got some damage to undo. But 
I am really just looking forward to reconnecting with my, my family um, as I am today. Um, and looking forward to spending some time with them Beautiful. without, you know, without drinking drugs. Because, like you, I, I would use that as a very good excuse. And and it, yeah, it was it was just always really difficult one way or another. So, not not to focus on the negative. I think for me, I um, I'm definitely learning to put down boundaries. So I think for me, if I feel that I need to just like have some time to myself over Christmas and just tap out for a few minutes, go and yeah. do some prayer and meditation, you know, whatever it is I need to do to recalibrate, then I always take the time to do that now. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, whether it's at home with my with my partner, you know, she's really understanding and, and um, really helps me if I'm perhaps having a bit of a wobbly day, because, yeah. you know, life happens. You know, we don't, we have to be able to accept things that come our way. You know, that's what we mean when we say life on life's terms. And we have no control over that. But we do have the privilege of being able to manage that in sobriety. And I think Christmas kind of falls for many people into that big stressful event kind of category. And it might not always be something that, you know, a lot of people want to do. It might be meaning that they've got to be around family members that wind them up, you know. You don't get to choose your family. (laughs) Uh, Don't I know that well. Um, So I just think, for me, it's about a bit of self-compassion. Give yourself a pat on the back, yeah? Um, Take time you need to recalibrate. Go to meetings. No excuses. If you are in the programme, there are meetings Christmas Day. In fact, most places have them running all through the day. Uh, Check in with your sponsor. You know, it's all this stuff and it doesn't change just because it's Christmas. We've still got to keep doing our work. And yes, it is work, but you know, the benefits we receive in return are just so amazing. Um, and it's worth it, you know, and to be able to spend, for me, that I, I actually feel quite emotional thinking about spending Christmas with my, my mum and my stepdad, who really are the only family I have. Um, I don't really have another, you know, any more family. So that, you know, to be able to spend Christmas with them um, is is a privilege and um, okay. something I'm really looking forward for to. For them as well, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think they like me more now. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it on for one sec. Um, I just wanted to touch on relapse as well. Now, you can are open all of Christmas. We don't close ever. Um, I am not working Christmas Day, thank you. But um, I, <laughs> but we are open. Um, and in terms of in terms of relapse, you know, I've I've known. You know, I certainly didn't clean the first time I tried, and um, relapse was part of my story before going to rehab properly. But if somebody has relapsed and they're listening to this, you know, I don't believe relapse is the failure. Um, relapse does happen to people and it is a part of people's journey. I always think the failure is when people relapse and they don't, they let it beat them and they don't try and they don't come back into recovery, you know. So if you are struggling and you're listening to this, any problems at all, reach out. We are open 24 hours a day and we'd be more than happy to take a call, even if it's to direct you to local services, if you're not looking for treatment, but if you were looking for treatment, we could arrange that for you very quickly. Also, um, on that note, thanks so much, Lee. Um, If there's anyone listening who is part of our alumni, um, you know, again, we are here. Um, Relapse is nothing to be ashamed of. 
Um, you know, we're here to listen, we're here to help you, signpost you, get you back on track. You, you know, you're, you'll never be judged here at UCAT. You can give me or my colleague Abs a call, uh, alumni, um, or reach out uh, any of our contact numbers over the Christmas period. And uh, on that, we wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You've been listening to Screaming on the Inside with Celeste and Lee from UK Addiction Treatment Centres. We hope you found today's episode interesting and who knows, maybe even entertaining. Um, We'd like to just point you towards our social media and contact points. You can email us at sotipod at ucat.co.uk. If you'd like to feature or have any topic ideas you want discussed, we're very open to suggestions. And feel free to share our podcast with your friends and family. We will have a blog about recovery and relapse available on our social media. Keep an eye out for that. You can follow us on Instagram at UK Addiction Treatment and follow our Facebook page at UK Addiction Treatment Centres.